do you have something that just cheeses you off? You know, there's this big red button on your back and some of your friends just love pumping away on that button, pushing your button about particular issues or things. I mean, I was thinking about it during the week and realized I've got a whole lot of those buttons. There's this whole kind of control panel in my life, these different buttons that can be pushed. Some of them when I'm driving, you know, when I'm on the M5 going into the city and the slowest lane is lanes three and four. You know, which is what should be the fast lanes, but those people who love traveling in lane three, they're like, well, I'm not in lane four, so I'm keeping left. And you're like, no, the rule is keep left. That's lane one or lane two, not lane three. And those trucks that are in lane three and four, and you're like, you're limited to 100 Ks, it's 110. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop there in my rant about all of this. But there's lots of those kind of situations where we get pushed or there's these things that upset us. The first reading today tells us some of the things that makes God angry, that ticks God off. And it's about justice, which makes sense because we know that God is the God of justice, that he hears the cry of the poor, that when Moses was there in the wilderness, in Exodus 3, we hear the story and God appears to him in that burning bush and God says, I have seen the oppression of my people. I have heard their cries, their longing. And here in Exodus 22, after the great theophany, after the great appearance of the Lord there on the holy mountain and Moses and the whole of the community, the whole of the nation is invited into this covenant friendship with God. And God's saying it's not just about you know, certain morals, about whether you look good, about keeping certain things, but it's also the way that you treat other people. That's where the heart of this life of the covenant, this life with God is going to be fulfilled. Now, when you carefully read from Exodus 20 through to the end of the, the book of Deuteronomy, the rabbis were able to discern the presence of a total of 613 commandments that are there. There are 365 commandments or mishvat that invite you not to do things, prohibitions, things you shall not do. You shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor are three of the, the 10 words. But there are also 248 commandments that are things that you shall do. You shall honor your father and mother. You shall keep the Sabbath day holy. So those different groups of commandments, you know, the rabbis would kind of ponder, is there a structure in them? Is there a system in all of those rules and regulations? Are there things that we should honor more specifically? Are there things that, you know, really do have a priority? And it was often the, the debate, you would test a different rabbi about it. So this question that is put to Jesus today is not unusual. He's probably had it before. And there's another version of this story where a lawyer doesn't come to disconcert Jesus, but who's just pondering this and asking this question. It seems as an authentic kind of, of question. And so Jesus answers in a fairly traditional way by quoting from the book of Deuteronomy chapter six, where he quotes from the great prayer of the Jewish people. The Shema is prayed three times a day in the life of Judaism. It's 
this prayer that punctuates their whole experience. And we call it the Shema because it's the first word of the prayer. In fact, in the Hebrew, it's repeated twice because to emphasize things in the Hebrew, you, you want to repeat the words. Shema is a powerful kind of word. Shema doesn't just mean to listen. It also has that sense, pay attention. You might invite someone to Shema. Or the prophets will lament because they say, you have ears, but you do not Shema. You do not listen. You do not obey. So when the word is repeated, it has that sense of inviting us not just to listen, but also to respond, to take this on board, to allow this to be the truth of our life. So hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love, and the word there is ahava, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, the word is lev, so it's the center of your being, the whole sense of, of who you are, the essence of all that you bring. Your nefesh, your, your neck is the, the literal translation. We often translate it as soul. The Jewish people understood that the, the neck was the thing that kind of connected everything together. It was the sense that, you know, obviously there was blood and oxygen and all that kind of flowed through the neck and something happened in your neck that a person would die. And so the nefesh became the, the, the source of all of that and became the heart of what it was for someone to be alive, to, to have that whole experience. So love the Lord your God with all your lev, your heart, your nefesh, your soul, and all of your mayod, your, your strength, your, your muchness, your, the sense of who you are and the, your ability to interact with the world. And so it's the whole of your being. That's what we're invited into to love the Lord your God with all that you are, all of your being, all of your sense, that that is the first of these commandments. But Jesus says there's a second that is similar to this. And it's only when we bring the second into this that we're able to fulfill this covenant relationship that we're invited into. And he's quoting now, not from the book of Deuteronomy, but from the book of Leviticus chapter 19, in what we call the holiness code. And there, you shall love your neighbor ask yourself, but how do we love others? How do we love other people? <laughs> Particularly, we know that there are lots of our neighbors, lots of people in our lives that just continue to push those buttons, that continue to annoy the heck out of us. And sometimes it's just beyond our human capacity and human strength to be able to love another person. So to love someone, ask yourself. There is a presumption that is there, and that is that we have received that love, that we first allow that space to be filled with God's love. The only way that we can love others is if we've first taken that time and that opportunity to be nourished and filled with the love of God. And so to let that love also be at the, the very heart of our experience, to allow God to, to love us and so that we can then love others. It does require a bit of kind of learning, a bit of effort on our part, because this whole experience of, of love is kind of an art form. It's not something that is just mechanically achieved. It's not something that happens in our heads. It's something that we need to, to learn how to do. And the only way to learn how to love is through loving. And so it's when we begin to, 
to make those first little steps in the direction towards love, that we begin to see what's possible and we begin to be able to, to pour something of ourselves into another person, to be of service, to be present to somebody, just to, to be a listening ear or to, to be someone that is available to them. And to the extent that we begin to do that, we make capacity within ourselves to receive more love. We become part of that flow of love. So these two commandments, or this one commandment broken into two that Jesus offers us, is all about that experience of love. Being loved by God, returning that love to the Father, but also then letting that love fill us so that we can begin to be that flowing presence of love in the world. Is there someone in your life today that needs your love? Is there someone that is struggling? Someone that you know maybe is grieving? Someone that has lost something? Someone that is in some experience of pain? As you know, I've been walking this month for the Black Dog Institute to, to raise awareness about mental illness. And so there are so many people that suffer within our world. So many people that experience so much grief and loss. And just thinking about one particular person and praying for them first. Praying that they might experience something of God's love. Praying also that we might have the opportunity this week to be present for them. Whether that's a phone call or a text message or an email. Whether that's making a visit if they're a physical neighbor. Someone that you can just smile at. Someone that you can just be present in some way to share that love. We need to be those conduits of God's love and God's mercy. Receiving that love, but then sharing that love with those around us. And then we indeed are faithful to those first commandments that Jesus gives us. To love God with all that we are and to love our neighbor as we've been loved ourselves.